morning. That is the wrong number. All right, we put the numbers up for you so you can see it, but the first number's wrong. So <laughs> it's 465. 465 is where we're going. That's not bad. We'll get there. All right, let's sing out number 465. Stand on the last verse.
if you would. Yes, Lord. Amen. Please do be seated. All right. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house today. Glad y'all are here. Such a beautiful day. Just a couple of announcements if you didn't see them up there already. Um, uh, first one is November the 14th. That is a Tuesday. Is a prime time at 1130 in the church basement. The theme is uh, Thank God for Christian Fellowship. And so if you don't, uh, if you want to... Uh, Reminder of that, get yourself a bulletin, and, uh, and so uh, do remember that for the primetime folks. Uh, then um, on um, this Wednesday, we're going to be having a business meeting, so please do be here for that, be in prayer for that. And then tonight, we'll have a short men's meeting. We've talked about much of what we need to talk about. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about, something to pray about, is uh, we do have some excess missions funds. I'd like to send maybe a Christmas gift to our missionaries, a substantial one. And then there's a couple projects we might be able to give to. And so please do be in prayer about that. And so, men, please do stay if you can for that. Uh, we'll also be having a, a choir practice tonight for the ladies after, uh, after the evening service. And so, ladies, let me encourage you. Please do think about volunteering for that. And even if we have to do a trio or a quartet, we're going to have a ladies' choir. So, <laughs> so uh, please, do, uh, please do come for that. Uh, the midweek service next week before Thanksgiving is going to be on Tuesday the 21st, so please do remember that. And then next Sunday night, next Sunday night, will be our praise and testimony service, so please come. That's always a blessing. And then uh, there, won't be a, there won't be a midweek on Wednesday uh, before Thanksgiving. And then on December the 2nd, we have our ladies' Christmas event, 12 noon at Miss Lisa's home. And there's a sign-up sheet in the back. And so sign up as soon as you can so that we can make preparations for that. All right, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Our men will come to receive those. <laughs> Brother Richard, would you ask the Lord's blessing on the offering, please? Amen.
Christmas program written, and um, I've got songs that we want to have sung, and if you have anything that you'd like to contribute, let me know now so we can incorporate it into the Christmas program. Uh, if you want to sing a solo or if you want to sing, uh, uh, you know, as a group or something like that, please do let us know. Christmas will be here before we know it. You know how I know that? Because October got here awful fast. You know what I'm talking about? So anyhow... Number uh, 258.
Amen. Amen. Great singing. Well, we're going to go to the most quoted chapter of the Bible. So if you know where that is, go ahead and go. You think it's John 3.16? Well, just because you asked, let's go there. We're going to go to John 3.16. I want to preach about Nicodemus this morning. I've been looking at the book of John and, and uh, you know, you preach through the Bible long enough. You're going to preach the book of John quite a bit. We know that uh, Jesus is trying to reveal himself as God the Son in this book here. And then a man comes to him by night with some questions for him. We know him as Nicodemus. But uh, I want to read uh, all the way down to verse 21 here this morning. It's a familiar text, but I hope that there's some insights in here that we can make application with here this morning. In John chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master in Israel, and knoweth not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises here this morning. Father, we just pray for those who are apart from us. You know every need. <coughs> Excuse me. Father, we pray for safety. We pray for health. And Father, we pray for uh, just those who need a draw. We just pray that you'd move upon their hearts. Father, meet with us here this morning. And Father, help us to have a burden to take this wonderful message to a lost and dying world. Father, we love you. We do pray for Israel, the peace of Jerusalem. And we thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
I do want to preach about Nicodemus here this morning. You know, Nicodemus is one of the more interesting people in the life of Christ. His story is only given in the book of John. You don't find him anywhere else. He's only in the book of John. And he became a believer. He became a defender. He became a disciple of Jesus Christ. In chapter 7, go there just for a second for context. We see that what I just said is true. John chapter 7, look at verse 50. The Bible says, uh, Nicodemus said unto them, he that came to Jesus by night being one of them, being one of them, y'all see that? It says, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. And so if you will, he's a disciple, he's a defender of Jesus Christ. And he, along with Joseph of Arimathea, helped to bury Jesus. The Bible teaches us that in John chapter 19. We'll go there and look just real quick. John chapter 19. Look at verse 38. The Bible says, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away uh, the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about an hundred pound weight. And then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in uh, linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. And now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher wherein never man laid. And there laid they, Jesus therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day for the sepulcher, was nigh at hand. And so we see here that uh, he was very intimately involved in the life of Christ, ultimately. And uh, so a very important person. But having said that, again, you only meet him in the book of John, okay? It does make mention that at the one that came to Jesus by night, okay? By the way, that took a little bit of courage considering his uh, position in life. And the, or the Lord's answer here to his sincere questions gives us the most quoted verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You, you guys know the verse. And, and so if you will, this is a very important piece of scripture. Now I want to look at three things here this morning concerning Nicodemus. And the first one's given to us in verse 2. So if you would, look in verse 2 of, of John chapter 3. In verse 2, the Bible says, The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi... We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. He understood the fact that not only was he a teacher, but he had signs accompanying his message. Meaning God was validating it, God was verifying it, this is a man of God. And so even he had to recognize, everybody recognized, that, that Jesus was a man of God with a message from God. Okay. Now notice what he called him, he called him Rabbi. He called him teacher, and then in the next verse, he calls him master, okay? And we'll talk about all of that. You know, because he says, we know that you're a teacher come from God, and that's what rabbi means. Rabbi means that they are someone who was a master over students. Now, we really don't, uh, uh, well, I take that back. You guys, you'd have school marms and school masters. You guys remember that? How many of y'all, when you went to school, remember that? I was really hoping for somebody to raise their hand here. <laughs> Because you would be old, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's the way it was. That's part of my point is they used to be the, you know, the school marm, madam, if you will, uh, the teacher. But then the school master, 
Uh, another way of thinking about that is like if somebody goes to take karate, you, you have the, the master of the, the I, I didn't ever take karate, dojo, okay, so dojo. And, and so, if you will, they're kind of acknowledged as the master or the teacher. They're the ones that, uh, if you will, have attained such a level that other people want to give them money to teach them. You all understand that? You have skills, you have knowledge that I need. Well, that is exactly what's going on here. That is exactly what's going on here. Because he is taking, he's reaching out to him as a master. You see, in the ancient world, they didn't go to college, okay? In the ancient world, there would be a famous famous teacher. You guys ever heard of Socrates and Aristotle and people like that? Well, those people were famous teachers in their day. And people would seek them out and they they would call them master, if you will, and say, would you teach us what you know, okay? And so that's exactly what's going on here. He says, we acknowledge you're a rabbi. Now, I want you to know that he was a rabbi, Nicodemus. He was also a master in Israel because Jesus acknowledged that. He says, you're a master in Israel, don't know these things. And and so what he was saying here is, is you have an understanding that I don't have. You have a knowledge that I don't have. And I want you to be my rabbi. I want you to be my master. I want you to be my teacher. And so, again, I say that's, that's what's going on here. This is what John the Baptist was to his disciples. Uh, if you will, in John chapter 3, look at verse 26. We're already here. But in verse 26, the Bible says, And they came to John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, uh, behold, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. Uh, listen, there was a point of time, at least for six months, where the new message that was coming out, that God had validated, if you will, John was the one that was the master. He was the one that was pointing the way. He was the one that says, listen, don't look for me, but there's one coming whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. And so, if you will, they were coming to him. And, of course, now John's going to say, well, listen, he must increase, I must decrease. He's your master now. He's the one that you should be following. He's the one that you should be seeking knowledge from. You know, it was a relationship. Listen now. It was a relationship when you gave of yourself to get the benefit of the master's understanding and wisdom. You see, you go to school, you pay tuition. You know what you're doing? You're paying people who are smarter than you to transfer their knowledge to you. And that's what they did in the ancient day. In a sense, I want to hire you to be my master. And and so they gave, they gave of themselves to get, okay? Well, why do I make that point? Well, that's how that we make the application for ourselves. Now, I want you to think about this. Go to John chapter 6. We'll see it there. John chapter 6. <coughs> John chapter 6 and verse 25 is where we're going. The Bible says there, it says, And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, whence comest thou hither? Okay, John 6 is where he fed the 5,000. He's fleeing the crowd. He's just gone over the Sea of Galilee. And now they've sought him out. And in verse 26, the Bible says, Jesus answered them and said, by the way, they called him Rabbi there. You see that, Rabbi? And they, uh, Jesus answered, and said, uh, answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me. Stop and pause. Okay? You seek a master. You guys understand that? You seek me not because you saw the miracles which is the reason you should seek me. Remember that? Is that, why John, is that why Nicodemus was there? No man could do the miracles you're doing except God sent him. Y- y'all get it? Okay. And so he says, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did to eat of the loaves and were filled. You know what he's saying? 
He's saying the uh, student-rabbi relationship is not about what you can get, it's what you can give. Okay? Meaning this, you should have seen the miracles and said, teach me. They were wanting to have, if you will, all their needs met. Food. Okay? And, and so, if you will, that's what rabbi means. It means master, or somebody who is, is a teacher over students. Now, even the best teachers should be pointing their students to Christ alone. I want you to think about that. There is grave warnings in the Bible. Don't call another man master. Don't call another man rabbi. That's very interesting because there's a lot of rabbis and masters there. So you've got to get the application. So let's look at that. Go to Matthew chapter 23. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew chapter 23. And look at uh, verse 1. You really kind of need to read this whole thing. And I, I'm just for sake of time trying to skip through some of this. But the Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, it says, Then spake Jesus to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not after their works, for they say and do not. Now, what he's saying is this. Listen, they've been given a position of authority. Be under their authority. Okay? He says, but don't do it the way they do it. You guys understand that? He says, because they like to be seen of men, and they like to be given praises in the marketplace. and they, they, they just like to be in charge, if you will, so that they can get all the attention. Well, notice what he says about that then in verse 5. He says, but all their works they do to be seen of men. He says, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garment, meaning they walk around letting everybody know they're Dr. So-and-so. You all understand that? Because that's what he's talking about. And they love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats at the synagogues. And by the way, we live in a world like that today. Some people say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't have a doctorate. Well, can I? I was talking with somebody the other day. Half of you guys that are farmers, you guys got more education than most doctors up there. Come on now, amen? Just, a, just common sense education, if nothing else. <coughs> The Bible says they also like, verse 7 says, and greetings in the markets, and to be called rabbi, rabbi. Y'all get it? Teacher, teacher, master, master. <laughs> we'll talk about that here in a second. Well, notice what Jesus says. But be ye not called rabbi. For one is your master, even Christ. And all ye are brethren. You know what he's saying? Say brother, brother. By the way, even the term pastor is not an exalted past title because pastor literally means pasture, <laughs> shepherd. Amen? That's not a high title. That's a low title. You all understand? And, and so if you will, well, what's the point here? Well, the point is this. You know, he says in verse 12, he says, if you don't do what I tell you, you're going to be humbled. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, the Bible says there, uh, uh, the Bible says, And whosoever shall exalt himself, say it with me, would you? Shall be abased. And he that humble himself shall be exalted. Okay? Meaning this, if you just go around, you be humble. Even if you know more than somebody else, you be humble about it. I, I don't know if you guys face this, okay? I, I will say this, I, I have to face this. Uh, the other day I went to go get these glasses fixed. I had stepped on them and they were broke and, 
and uh, how I stepped on them, I don't know. But anyhow, got big feet. And, uh, and I broke them, and I walked in, and the ladies, there was nobody else in there, and they know me there as a preacher, because I, you know, I talked to a couple of them about the Bible. And, and as soon as I walked in, there's like, there's like, ah, oh, Mr. Bradshaw. Oh, whoa, 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 Reverend Bradshaw. And I said, no, 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 no. Psalm 111, verse 9 says, holy and reverend is his name. Please take this the right way. Reverend is God's name. Why are they so careful about that? I had somebody on the phone do that to me one time. I was, I was buying something online or uh, over the phone, and, and uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was for a church company. And they said, whoa, do you want me to call you reverend? And I was like, I'd really prefer you didn't. And why? Because holy and reverend is his name. Don't be called rabbi. Don't be called master. Don't walk around. You guys understand? Because it's not about glorifying us. It's about glorifying him. Okay? And so if, if, you, if you will, uh, uh, Jesus says, be very careful about that. And, and so there's nothing wrong with showing proper respect. Amen. Okay? You just should not make it your demand or your expectation. Amen? That's what he means when he says, don't call somebody rabbi. Don't call somebody master. Listen, if somebody is your teacher, call them teacher. You all understand that? That's okay. But the whole point is this, is don't walk around demanding it. Why? Because it's not about you being elevated in the eyes of others. By the way, if you have that knowledge, praise the Lord for the opportunity to share. Amen. Okay? And so if you will. Uh, even masters need to further their education. What do I mean by that? Now let's go back to our text. Go back to John chapter 3. Even masters need teachers, okay? Or they need masters. Because in verse 10, the Bible says this, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? You know, in a sense, he's asking a rhetorical question here. He's saying, listen, you're a master, and you don't know this? Okay, and the problem was, is he understood things in the flesh. He didn't understand things in the spirit. And that's where he was going to get educated, okay? And so he was looking for a master. That's the first thing that we see. The second thing that we see is he was looking for a kingdom. Look in verse 3. In verse 3, because Jesus immediately anticipates his question and answers it. In verse 3, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, what's that mean, guys? Truly, truly, or what I'm telling you is the truth, okay? Um... Something you need to know about the way Hebrew language is done. When it puts two words back to back, it's like an exclamation point. Okay? And so what he's saying is, I'm telling you the truth. Okay? Lest you think he's going to lie to him. Sounds silly to say that. But he's saying, I'm getting ready to tell you the truth. Okay? And in verse 3 he says, Except a man be born again. Say the next part with me. He cannot see the... <laughs> that was his concern. <clears throat> Are you the king? Are you the one we're looking for? Are you, by the way, have they, did John the Baptist later ask that? Are you the one we're looking for or should we look for another? We're, we're looking for a king and, and he presented himself as a king and, and he came. He was born to be a king. Art thou a king? You said it. Amen. But he, he says this, he says, he said, maybe you don't understand what kind of kingdom I got. Okay. So he was looking for a kingdom, but Jesus was saying, you don't even understand what the kingdom is. Look what the Bible says. Keep going. Verse 4, Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? What, what, what are you talking about? You guys see that? He's confused. He needs a teacher. 
He says, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? In verse 5, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And people like to make this very confusing, but then he answers what it means, okay? Verse 6, he says, that which is born of the flesh, flesh, water, birth, you all understand? <coughs> and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Okay. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where, where it listeth, and thou heareth the sound thereof, but thou canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So, wow, what, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, he was looking for a physical kingdom. He was looking for something he could see. He was looking for someone he could set on the right hand of. He was looking for somebody to conquer all the enemies. He was looking for somebody to fulfill the Abrahamic Abrahamic covenant that says you get all this land. He was looking for somebody who was going to fulfill the Davidic covenant. He's going to have a son sitting on the throne. You all understand that? He's also going to take and he's going to fulfill the promises made to Daniel. He's going to come down and he's going to crush the feet of all the Gentile nations and he's going to rule over all the kingdoms of God. Amen. That's what he was looking for. I want to see that day. God says, that's not how you're going to see the kingdom. Are we in the kingdom today? Well, it all depends on how you define it. You see, Jesus is going to do all those things on the earth in Jerusalem. But that's not what he's doing here. He's saying you need to start looking for a spiritual kingdom, okay? You see, all of this could be accomplished by men the way Nicodemus was thinking, okay? Go to Acts chapter 5. I want you to see something. Acts chapter 5. Look at verse 35. The man who taught uh, Saul or the Apostle Paul was a man named Gamaliel. In verse 34, it describes him. His name is Gamaliel. And they're having a little meeting about what they should do because of the preaching of the, of the Christians. Okay, And they're, they're, they're wanting to persecute him. And so in verse 35, he says this. He says, And he said unto them, You men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do is touching these men. Because he says, listen, they're preaching of Christ, and they're preaching of a king, they're preaching of salvation. And they said, you're getting ready to persecute them. He says, let me give you a little dose of wisdom. By the way, he was a rabbi, he was a teacher, he had something they didn't understand. Amen. Okay. He says, he says for those, before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody. You know who he's boasting himself to be? He's boasting himself to be a Messiah. Okay. That's what he was doing. That's what he's talking about. This is context. Okay. He says, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as observed him were scattered and brought to naught. He says, listen, uh, we, we, we brought that to nothing, because he, he said he was Messiah, but he wasn't. He's gone. Okay. After this uh, rose up Judas of Galilee. He says, in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all as many as obeyed him were dispersed. He, he says, listen, a lot of people have come and said they were Christ. And those who are found to be found false or phonies, well, they're dead and gone. Y'all see that? But notice what he did say, and he had the insight to say this. He says in verse 3, he says, And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or if this work be of men, it will come to naught. It's, nothing's going to happen if this is a movement of men. Okay? But he says, but if it be of God, 
ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. You know what he's saying? If God's in it, you can't defeat it. Praise God. Amen. And so, if you will, Nicodemus was looking for that physical kingdom. And, and it was the spirit of the age. That, listen, if you do a historical study, there was a number of men. I could have gone to more examples. People that said, I'm the Christ, follow me, let's overthrow the Romans. And, and people would get all excited about it. And, and, and that's what they were hoping Jesus was going to do. Because that's what they were looking for. Okay. Well, the problem is, is Jesus said, you're not looking for the right kingdom. Okay. I want you to notice, if, if you will, go to, go to Luke chapter 17, please. Luke chapter 17. And notice the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. Luke chapter 17, look at verse 20. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> the Bible says, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, Can you all say it with me? The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. You know what he's saying? You're not going to see it. You are not going to see the kingdom of God. Now, are we going to see the kingdom of God someday? Yeah, absolutely, but it comes out of heaven. <laughs> okay, so we're going to see it, all right? He says, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God, say it with me, is within you. Meaning this, by the way, that's one of the signs of the last times. But lo, here is Christ, or there is Christ. They're going to be saying the same things when Jesus comes again. Okay? He's saying, no, no. He says, he says, look, the kingdom of God is within you now. Help me now. Can you all see me here? Can you see me? I know what some of you all are thinking, but humility keeps me from... How many of y'all can see my heart? And I don't mean the one going boom, 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 boom. How many of y'all can see what I think and feel and know? Y'all can't see that? Can I say what the problem is? The problem is is because that is spiritual. Y'all with me? You can see things physical. Amen? But Jesus says this. He says, the kingdom of God is within you. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school. If you've invited Jesus Christ into your life, can I also encourage you to invite him to sit on the throne of your heart? Can Jesus be in charge of your life? Is that a metaphor for sitting on the throne of your heart? You all understand? And so, if you will, it's spiritual, okay? And so he says this. He says, listen, you are going to... You need to be looking not for a physical kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom whereby a whole bunch of people have me sitting on the throne of their heart. Okay? How do I know that's true? Go back to John chapter 3 now. John chapter 3. And notice how he describes. He says, you're wanting to know about the kingdom of heaven? Let me, let me tell you about the kingdom of uh, God. Excuse me. And in John chapter uh, 3, look at verse 4. The Bible says this, it says, uh, Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter again in the second time into his mother's womb and be born? You know why he understood that? Because physical. Got it? And Jesus like. No, Nicodemus, it's more like when the wind blows, and you don't know the wind's blowing, but you can see the trees going like this. You guys ever drive and get tossed around in your car? 
and you don't know if the wind's blowing because you can't see it, so what's the first thing you do? I look for a tree or the grass on the side of the road, see which way it's bent or blowing, right? And you're like, is it my driving or is it the wind? <laughs> it's always the wind. <laughs> Let's see if my wife's laughing. <laughs> a spiritual birth, listen, is when God doesn't clean the outside. It's when God changes the inside. Well, how do you know if a person's saved? Can I just tell you this? The only person who can know you're saved is the individual themselves. Can I say this? I know I'm saved. You know? You know why? Because I know in whom I have believed. I know when I believed on him. I know what I'm believing on him for. I know I'm saved. And it's not any arrogance on my part. I just know the one who made the promises, and I have full confidence in him. You all with me? I'm not trusting in a church. Not trusting in a baptism. Not trusting where I was born. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ who loved me and died for me. You know why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And by the way, folks, I believe that last part too. You can't lose everlasting life. That's how I know I'm saved. Amen. How do you know I'm saved? Well, we're going to watch. We're going to watch. And can I just say this? You probably ought to have a proper testimony. Good. And you probably ought to get baptized. I mean, he, he got baptized. Okay. Amen. But you probably ought to live a good life. Yeah. But please take this the right way. You can imitate all those things. Okay. All I can do is I can just keep watching. And when the wind blows, hey, that was kind of spiritual. How do you have such peace in times of such hardship? Well, God is real. Yeah. Amen. How do you overcome this? Or how do you do that? Or how do you, I tell you why, because God's good and God's, all things work together for good. Yeah. Amen. And so there's some evidence, and you can look at him and say, oh, that guy's saved. Has anybody ever met somebody that said they were a Christian and you looked at him and went, By the way, they might be a Christian. Amen. Uh, there was a point where Peter didn't look like a Christian. He was a Christian. You all with me? Okay. And so, if you will, it's evidenced by a changed life. Look what the Bible says again in verse 8. In verse 8, the Bible says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but thou canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. You don't know but you can see the evidence. You don't know, but you can see the evidence. That's, that's the kind that you're looking for. Now, the problem with that is it is so much easier if you could just put a label on people. Don't you wish you could just, you know, you get saved and ka-chunk, you know, saved, ka-chunk. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. There used to be grocery stores, okay? <laughs> Anybody ever use one of those ka-chunk things, you know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all know <laughs> <laughs> if you're, we work in a drugstore, you know, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, come on now, someone help me out here. <laughs> Not a stamp. I need a ka-chunk machine. Somebody got one? <laughs> no, it used, to be, it used to have an ink pad on top, and it would take, and you would press down on it, and it would flop over from the ink pad, and it would stamp a number on there and say how much it was. 
you know, before barcodes. You guys remember when people actually could do this? I'm sorry, I'm reminiscing. Off track. Let's go back. Wouldn't it be easier if we all just had a little stamp on us? Saved. The problem is there isn't one. There isn't one. Please take this the right way. If you don't know you're saved, I can think it, you know it. And there would be nothing worse than to be here today under conviction, God's questioning, God's saying, are you born again? Amen? And every one of us should ask that question to ourselves here this morning. Am I born again? I just gave you my testimony. I'm convinced. By the way, don't start saying, well, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. Because if that's the basis of your salvation, you're in trouble. Can you all help me with an amen? Amen. Because he's the one that did everything. For God so loved the world. Do you, get the, do you get the implication of that? And it says after that in verse 18 that Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be rescued, delivered from what? From all that physical thing you're doing trying to bring in a physical kingdom when you need to be changed spiritually. Amen? We see Nicodemus was looking for a master, and we see that he was looking for a kingdom, and then last of all, we see that he was looking to understand. Look what the Bible says in verse 9. In verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, now think about this, this man has a doctorate, okay, whatever the equivalent is back then. Is he educated? He's got students, he's a master in Israel. You guys see that? And he just asked this question, how can these things be? Unless he didn't understand the full import of that, Jesus said, you're a master in Israel and don't understand this? <laughs> in a sense, it's like, how did you graduate school and not know this? Okay? How can these things be? He's just gone, listen now, he's just gone from master to student. Amen? You used to be a master. Now you're a student. Okay? Every true believer has to have a moment like this in his life. Every true believer has to have a moment like this in their life. How do I know that? Go to Acts chapter 16, please. Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, look at verse 25. You guys know the story. They're in Philippi. They've been arrested. They're in the jail. They're singing praises at night. And the Bible says in, uh, in verse 25, the Bible says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately... All the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose and the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had fled. Why? Because every prisoner he lost, he had to suffer their, their, their penalty uh, 
for anybody he lost. So, I mean, if they had death penalty, he was going to die anyway. Okay? But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Say it with me, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Master, tell me. And folks, I want you to know that all of us here in some way are masters because we can teach the lost how to be saved. What must I do? Well, if you call me doctor, I'll tell you. Don't call any man master on earth. You have one master in heaven. That's the Lord. Y'all see how it comes together? Amen. He said, what must I do? He was taught, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, in thy house, and thou shalt be saved. Amen. They believed, and they were baptized, he and his whole house. Amen. So if you will, he asked the question, what must I do? He was taught, and then he did what he was told, and his life was changed forever. He had a spiritual birth. Look what it says in verse 33. Verse 33, it says, And he took them the same hour that night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he in all his straight way. How many of y'all think he was a changed man? Yeah. Amen. You know what? That's the same thing that Nicodemus was looking for. What must I do? He was taught, and he was changed. Folks, Nicodemus became one of Jesus' most intimate disciples. You don't read about him following him. He had a position. He had, he had a job to do. He couldn't, you know, be like others, but he certainly followed the Lord. Nicodemus was given an example of an object of faith so that he could believe. What do I mean by that? Well, sometimes different people need different things communicated to him to understand, okay? But he, could come, he came to terms that Jesus and the disciples had understanding that he didn't possess. Teach me, Okay? And then Jesus put it in terms he could understand. Look back at our text, just real quick, we're almost done. John chapter 3, look at verse 14. He says, if you don't understand, Nicodemus, let me give you an illustration that you can't understand, okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase. You read verse 14 and 15, okay? But he's going to say, you know the story of the brazen serpent when the Israelites had been bitten because of their sin and they were dying. You remember that one, Nicodemus? Oh, yeah, I've taught it many times. He goes... Well, you remember how that when they lifted it up, everybody looked in faith, and anybody who looked in faith, they were delivered from the penalty of sin. Do you, do you remember that story, Nicodemus? Yeah, I remember that story. Well, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Amen? Why, why would God do that? Why would God do that? I, you know, I want you to think about this. He had come... And been raised in an excluding, we're Jews, you're Gentiles. A judgmental, we're God's people, you're the heathen. Okay? He'd, he'd been raised in a condemning religion. You all are going to hell. Amen? And by the way, do, is that what most people think of about religion? Yeah. And Jesus explained that he had a better way. He said in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Verse 18, Jesus didn't come here to condemn you. Jesus came here to save you. I came here to save you. I'm the son of man. 
I came here to save you. And it's not about your robes of righteousness, and it's not about what country you were born in. It's not about the fact that you know your Bible better than everybody else. It's about the fact that one day you came face to face with your sin nature, and you said, I need a Savior. Well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In verse 18, I, I didn't come here to condemn you. I came here to save you. And folks, he got saved. Friend, has there ever been a day in your life where you realized, you know, it's not my religion. It's not my good works. It's not because I was born in a Christian family. It's not because I was born in America. It's not because I dress right and I talk right and I carry a black Bible. It's because one day you came as a student seeking a teacher saying, Lord, what must I do? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Lord, I need a savior. Does it, how, how, how complex does it have to be? You know, some people get things fast and they just do it. And other people, you've got to explain it a little bit. You know, we're all different. The thief on the cross mocked Jesus all day until just before he died. And then he finally got it. And he said, you know what? I deserve to be here. You deserve to be here. He doesn't deserve to be here. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This day shall thou be with me in paradise. Amen. And the spiritual birth can take place. So many people are so worried about the physical and what you can see. And God's wanting to make a change in here. Has God ever made a change in here for you? Don't leave here lost. Let's all stand. Get your blue hymnal, if you would, and turn to 393. 393. Listen, the altar's open, the invitation. If you want to be saved, you need somebody to show you from the Word of God how you can know, we'd be glad to take and open a Bible. You can have my office. We can take a side room. Maybe you got somebody you're burdened for. Whatever the Lord would have you to do, number 393. You come as we